This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, last episode, you heard from Luis Vegas about some of the challenges and opportunities in the Peruvian blueberry industry. Today's episode, it's going to be a great addition as we sit down with Jose Antonio Gomez, CEO of Campasol. Now, Campasol is a multinational company that provides families around the world with fresh and healthy food. They have operations in Peru, Chile, Mexico, Colombia, and Uruguay, and a presence around the world. They harvest, process, and market blueberries, avocados, grapes, mangoes, and other fruit. Jose Antonio took on the CEO role at Campasol in 2021 after a decade with the company. He is also a board member of the International Fresh Produce Association and a past board member of the Produce Marketing Association. His previous experience includes senior management positions at Chiquita Brands in the U.S. and Europe. Jose Antonio, thank you for joining me on the Business of Blueberries. Hello, Casey. Thank you very much for the invitation and uh, very excited to talk about this uh, super food uh, business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm anxious to learn more myself. So as we jump into this, though, I think for those who may not know who you are or have yet had the opportunity to meet you, I thought we'd like to just start off by you giving a little bit more background than I just gave on yourself and what ultimately led you to the CEO role there at Campusol. Yes, Camposol is a company that started in Peru, close to 30 years right now. 1997 was the year that Camposol started. Eventually, also, most people, they don't know this, but uh, we got a mission pros, Steve Bernard, that came into Camposol and they invested money into Camposol to put together the first uh, avocado farm significant, you know, commercial avocado farm on the desert in Trujillo. And that was the time when Camposol planted close to 900 hectares of avocados uh, with Mission. And Mission became a stockholder of Camposol at that time. Um, small portion, but uh, they were stockholders. And we have, or Camposol had an agreement that once the North American market opened for Peruvian avocados, uh, Mission will take a market 100% of that plantation into North America. And that happened many years later in 2011. In the meantime, you know, Camposol was marketing that fruit in Europe. That was a market open for Peru. I moved to Peru in 2011 and I spent four years there trying to create, you know, the processes and controls required to, you know, knock on a supermarket customer and said, yes, I'm here and I'm capable of doing this venture of coming to your door and guarantee you that you are going to get the supply on time, in full and with the right quality. That was the beginning. You know? And eventually we found that the company has tremendous potential to become a superfood supplier focused specifically on, 
on products that are more than just uh, commodities or just fruits, products that are considered by the consumer. On top of the food, I'm getting some extra, you know, vitamins, antioxidants, or anything that the consumer correlates to healthiness and be able to live better and longer. Those are the attributes that we incorporate into the company vision. And that get us out of a preserve business and more into the, you know, blueberries and avocados and citrus. Well, and that's something I want to dig into because, you know, part of wanting to not just get to know you and campus all better as part of this episode, you know, I, I know in a article that I'd recently written where you had come out to say, you know, that there's a vision there to become the largest health food company in the world. So I, wa- I want to talk about that, but maybe talk quickly just about Campasol and blueberries and, and that portion of the business for Campasol, you know, the percentage of that compared to all the other things that you clearly are a part of already and had been a part of. But how did you get into blueberries? Uh, when did you get into blueberries? And now today, what part of Campasol is the blueberry business? That's a great question. I'll try to summarize that, that journey, the last 10 years journey into a few minutes of conversation. When I joined the company back in 2011, the company had one hectare of blueberries, and that was the trial hectare. So we have there like six different varieties. The company was uh, already investigating or researching about blueberries and the possibility of growing them in Peru. It was that year, 2011, that we decided to to do a a small uh, plot, a small test with 50 hectares which is a little bit more than 100 acres. So for most companies, that's a whole business. Campus All Dimensions, normally that's like a, a test. And we decided to go for that. At that time, the variety that we had that was showing the best results was uh, Biloxi, an open variety. And uh, so we decided to put together 50 hectares of Biloxi. We sent some of our product to the market. 2012, we tested Europe, uh, North America, how the fruit traveled, how it was received. We hired University of Florida to do some consumer test panels to understand how this fruit ranks versus other options on the market at that time. Are you referring to you were doing panels to understand the fruit varieties you were choosing, or wasn't that information already available for you to know that these varieties were good or bad or otherwise? Ours was specifically a benchmark from the consumer point of view of what we were producing in Peru that was specifically Biloxi, and I'm talking about 2012, versus what it was available on the market, you know? We wanted to get this benchmark on the market because, and specifically from the shelves of the supermarkets, because that's, that's where the fruit it's purchased and later consumed by consumers. So we want to have a side-by-side type of comparison. And we discover few things that encourage us to continue to the business. First is, you know, our variety at that time, the Loxy, wasn't the best, wasn't the worst, but it was consistently rank, you know, to have crunch. And we discovered that crunch was part of flavor. The consumer perceived the crunchiness, you know, the texture, as part of the flavor and the experience. 
And we discovered that, you know, a soft berry doesn't matter the flavor. It's something that is, consumer doesn't forget about a soft berry. You know, it's, it's like uh, the worst that it could happen. And also we, we discovered that there was a lot of variability in the supply chain, you know? And uh, there were moments where there were, you know, very good experience and moments where there were very bad experience with the others. But this variety of from Peru, from the desert, was pretty consistent, you know, in firmness, in, in flavor. It was a little bit acid. It was not to the sweet level as others, but it, it was okay. At that time, we hired uh, a couple of uh, consultants, special consultants. They were from Latin America, and they said, guys, you do not understand. Blueberries are like French wine, like, you know, super expensive cheese, like Swiss chocolate. Those are blueberries. And what I said to them at that time, it was, no, guys, girls, actually, you don't understand. For us, we are going to turn blueberries into hot dog and beer and something that is going to be good, but consumers can get it on any supermarket. And it's not going to be a very super expensive product. It's going to be a super food that is going to benefit everybody and everybody's going to be able to enjoy it. It's not for the elite, it's for everybody. That was quite challenging at that time, you know. But that was our vision at that time. Yeah, it's still the challenge today, I would say, that the value of blueberries, I, I, you know, then maybe more so than today, but you can see where uh, the increasing supply is providing, to your point, a lot more blueberries to more people, both globally and in markets, because of the supply. Uh, we need to understand that at that time, just to put things in perspective, you know, the U.S. had a production that was fresh production, roughly of like 200,000 metric tons. And then Chile had 100,000 metric tons, half of that. And the U.S. was finishing, you know, in August, mostly. And Chile was starting in December. So between September, October, November, and parts of December, there was only Argentina with 15,000 metric tons and a little bit of Uruguay. And at that time, you know, a price of a kilo of blueberries was selling for, you know, $40, $50 in the market, no market price. And that was super expensive, you know, a small clamshell sold for $9, $8. And that's what we want to change, focus on that particular window, to even out the window and be able to have, you know, from the U.S. to Chile, a more flat supply that allows much more consumption. We notice that the consumption of blueberries basically shrink tremendously right after August because of prices. And then Chile needed to push that back into the Chilean season. But, but still, you know, it was like on and off. And the consumers sometimes that on and off is not the best, especially in a, in a product like blueberries that we we know that brings so tremendous quality like the antioxidants. Our vision was to incorporate this habit of consumption of blueberries in a day-to-day. -day. And day-to-day -day basically means every breakfast, every lunch, every opportunity that you have, you have your smoothie, you have your cereal, 
you have your salad. And in order to do that, you really need to have a, a very even supply of blueberries. And I think that's the most important role that Peru play in the last 10 years. Well, I want to talk more about your vision for Campasol because I think it aligns with, as you know, the USHBC's vision to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. And so, you know, tying this up to your connection with beer and hot dogs, I want to come back to this and, and how you see that related to, uh, to your vision for Campasol. But before we do, let's take a quick break for our crop report. Mexico, Chile, and Peru are still shipping fruit. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Mario Ramirez in Mexico and Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on January 19th, 2023. Hi everyone, here Mario with Mexican Blueberry Report for 2023 week two. This week the volumes keep growing with 50% more exported volume respecting last week. The total exported volume was 3,057,174 pounds of fresh blueberries exported to all the world. This includes USA, Europe and Asia. From this volume, 2,950,000 pounds was exported to the United States, with 18% of this volume in organic blueberries. The frozen exportations decreased around 12% respecting last week, and the total volume was 42,000 pounds exported to the United States and we represent 2% of the total importations for week number 2. We keep with the cold temperatures but there are no affectations reported and the production uh, remains only on center of the country and in a couple months the exportation goes to Sinaloa where the volumes will grow to get to the peak of the season. That's all in my report. Thank you very much. See you next week. Hello, this is Luis with a crop report from Peru until the end of week two, which is the week ending on January 15th. So up until the end of week two of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 582 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. We are at 90% of our forecast for the season. Uh, so we are pretty much uh, at the tail end of, of our season, which is expected to end by March. From the total volume shipped so far, 53% has been shipped to the US, which is our main market, 31% to Europe, 13% to China, and 2% to other destinations. Also, from the total volume shipped throughout the season, 12% of the blueberries have been organics and the main, de main destination of the organic blueberries has been the US. During week two, a total of 8.4 million pounds uh, have been shipped. 52% of this volume has been sent to the US, which represents 4.3 million pounds, which are expected to arrive the US market during the third and fourth week of January. 34% of the volume shipped during week two has been sent to Europe, 13% to China, and 1% to other destinations, including Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Hong Kong, Israel, Panama, Singapore, Thailand, and Uruguay. So that's a report for this week. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. 
As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in our blueberry industry, including USDA shipping price and movement, the retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales reports, and much, much more. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Okay, well, let's go back to today's episode with Jose Antonio of Campusol. As we are going to the break, I was referring to our vision uh, that we want to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. There's a lot of opportunity we see ahead for blueberries, uh, both in the United States and globally. So I want to I want to take some time here to talk about this opportunity, as you described it, as I read this article where you were featured uh, there talking about Campasol being the largest health food company in the world, because I think that that ties to you know what we're seeing for blueberries in these markets globally. You know how we grow this vision for making blueberries the world's favorite fruit, and then of course you know you're saying in this article, you want Campasol to be seen as the largest health food company in the world. Can you share more about this and what steps uh, you're taking to get there? What, what does that look like? Uh, first, we have work trying to understand what health is, you know, because talking about healthiness is very broad. It sometimes is just perception. So we, we try to understand what the consumer believes is healthy and what is not. And there are certain attributes that are related to healthiness. And in a way, uh, healthiness, we try to tie it also to convenience because there's a lot of things that are healthy that are not convenient and they, they don't work. You know? So it needs to be healthy, convenient, easy to use. So we, we, after, you know, several consumer panel tests, uh, surveys, conversations, we do believe that consumers, they want fresh. They think fresh is related to healthy. With that fresh, minimum use of chemicals, you know. And also, we believe that fresh and natural it's also very, very correlated. And in that category, you have a lot of things, but fruits and vegetables are definitely, you know, feeding there much more than any other processed product. So when you take the process out of anything that you consume, you are getting in a category that is more correlated to healthiness than anything else. And that's how we come to, you know, conclude that healthy and fruits and vegetables it's going in the, the same line of course as i said fruits and vegetables without use of chemicals or bad practices and within that category fruit and vegetables we found out that you know there are some fruits and vegetables that they are in a category that we call and some other people call superfoods you know and these are the products that they bring some specific characteristics that the consumers correlate with an extra health punch into their day-to-day -day consumption. There's a benefit more than just the flavor and the food itself. And that's kind of getting back to, you know, what our grandmothers tell us, no? There's a lot of stories, you know, from our grandparents, you know, uh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Uh, in the case of blueberries is, you know, a blueberry a day definitely will help you to become healthier. 
I think we're claiming it's a clamshell day. A clamshell day, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully a half half pound or a pound. <laughs> an eighteen ouncer. <laughs> yeah, an eighteen ouncer. That that will be much better. No blueberries. They they may be sweet, but I mean they they have a punch of different you know vitamins and minerals and, and antioxidants that I mean it's far exceed any any sugar or any other uh, negative thing that could be around uh, eating fruit. So we're very positive on that now. Blueberries in particular, they're super convenient, super convenient. In North America, we're living a crisis on obesity. I mean, a crisis of junk food, you know, reaching our kids, our everybody. I mean, this is, this is not just an age thing right now. It's everybody is pounded with thousands of options of convenient but not healthy food unfortunately you know every time that you pack something you, you turn it into convenient but not necessarily healthy and blueberries is that one particular fruit that is not just a fruit it's a superfood and it's a superfood that is super convenient and it's a snack by itself so i do believe that there is a potential for every single lunch box in North America and in the world to carry a small package of blueberries, you know, at least once a week. Every single cafeteria in every single school in North America should have blueberries, you know, as part of their menu, if not every day, at least once a week. This is super convenient. This is super healthy. It goes in line with every single principle that ESG and sustainability and any other trend that is out there is saying. The amount of package that you use is minimum. The amount of process that you use is minimum. It's a super efficient product by itself, all the way from the farm to the lunchbox. Consumes little amount of resources. Uh, it's the most natural thing that you can take. It goes directly from a hand-picked product into a package that goes directly to the consumer. Nothing else touches. There's no more process, no nothing. So uh, that's why the vision goes in that line, you know, becoming the largest company on the healthy food business is correlated specifically to blueberries and avocados that we, of course, uh, run and produce in, in massive proportions. Well, one of the things that you've raised as it relates to avocados that I think we've talked about on this show before related to what blueberries needs to do to move our agenda ahead that is making blueberries the world's favorite fruit is, is looking at the avocado industry, what it did marketing-wise, to your point, you know, we've certainly built a huge pipeline of health research at the USHBC, but a lot of our conversation that, you know, you and others as stakeholders around the United Blueberry Task Force sat around to discuss was, what's the investment that we're going to need to make in the next how many years in order for us to enjoy what avocados has enjoyed, which is a significantly large increase in supply while actually maintaining the high value of the real price over that same period. And then in fact, you know, when I give presentations, I show that slide still that 
indicates that there's actually been a slight increase of that price while an eightfold increase has taken place in the supply of avocados. So what more, you know, from your mind, and first of all, thank you for being one of the companies that have uh, signed on to support the MOU, but in your mind, obviously you, you recognize there's an investment that needs to be made marketing and promotions and in research to do so. But what from your experience in the avocado industry would you share today that you think we could further learn from or want to aspire to in order to drive our vision forward? Well, that's a great question, Casey. And first, I would like to share what I have seen on the Has Avocado Board, being part of the board. It's something that is not an idea, is not something that may work or a plan. It's something that exists, is black and white, is tangible. You can see it, you can see the numbers, and you can see that it worked and it continues to grow. And that's the correlation between, you know, the investment on marketing and how the pie keeps growing. Because this is not about fighting for the same size of a pie. This is making the pie bigger and bigger and bigger. And the only way how the pie is going to get bigger is with investment. The consumer needs to understand why he needs to eat more blueberries or more avocados. In the case of avocados, you know, the U.S. at uh, the beginning had mainly the production of California with the potential opening for Mexico. We had this group of visionary growers and marketers that went to Washington and created this vehicle to finance that growth. And we have Mexico coming into the market and later on Chile and Peru and our audience and every single pound of avocado that hits or reaches the North American market comes with a percentage of marketing funds. That's how it is. That's it just comes here to compete for market share, but also under their arm brings, you know, few cents to collaborate to bring this pie to the next level. And avocados have been growing tremendously. And mainly because the message is avocados are healthy for you and you should be eating avocados, you know, with certain frequency. And this came after many research happened in universities with the proper scientific data and the backing of every single U.S. institution. So basically when avocados said, you know, avocados are good for your heart, is because avocados are good for your heart. It's, it's not something that we wish for. It's something that has been proved. And it took like 10 plus years to prove that. So it takes time, takes money, takes patience. But once the message is out there, uh, the consumer gets it, the consumers act. And now you have one more consumer that is willing to try and if you like it, to repeat the consumption of avocados. Now, the magic of this circle is that that message that stays in North America later on gets to China and gets to Japan and gets to Europe. So it's the same message that was paid by the Has Avocado Board, but it just social media and Facebook and Instagram gets it abroad, you know, everywhere. And at that consumption in China, in, in Europe and in other locations, 
helps to balance the industry to have a healthy supply and demand balance. And that's the, ma- the magic of that type of investment. It's investment in marketing with strong fundamentals based on healthy lifestyles that just carry over to other geographies. So I think that's one of the most important things that we can learn for that specific experience on a locale. We can put a fine point on that investment, just knowing that in your example, the Haas Avocado Board, where it's 2.5 cents per pound that's contributed for avocados and just not that our audience doesn't know that, that's less than a penny a pound in blueberries, nine-tenths of a penny uh, that's contributed. And so what the MOU group and Campasol being one of those contributed is at this point a doubling of that assessment to accomplish this additional effort of driving the health message for blueberries in order to try and keep up with that increasing amount of supply. And so to hear you describe, you know, what it is, I think that uh, Avocados was able to accomplish in a 10-year period of time, both with the supply, but also helping to get consumers to understand that this is a healthy fat, not a bad fat. And just what a transition avocados went through is an important story, obviously, that avocados can tell. But it's something that I think, you know, those of you who were sitting at that MOU table were able to share an experience. And so to hear you articulate it, just like you have here, really just drive home the point that there's opportunity, you know, to see that real price not be diluted by the supply, but actually be maintained, if not slightly increased, as we see from the avocado experience. So uh, leaders like you who have been able to help describe this have, have been instrumental in trying to imagine that future for blueberries. I mean, I totally agree, Casey. Uh, I believe a great marketing program is the one that brings benefit for everybody. You know, consumer gets benefit, the grower gets benefit, the retail gets benefit from it. The only way that everybody gets benefits out of a great marketing program is when the pie grows. If you don't grow the pie, then somebody is going to lose. We're going to be competing for the same market share with more product, and, and that's not sustainable. Growing the pie, more consumption, more people consuming in different opportunities, it's important. And on that line, I, I do believe that the convenience of blueberries is unique and it drives thousands of opportunities. I mean, I spoke about hot dogs and beer. I wish I can have the opportunity to go to a, a baseball game or a football game and buy small pots or cups or, or clamshells or whatever the consumer wants of blueberries and be eating blueberries while watching a sports event. I think blueberry has the potential to be, you know, present in every single sports event. Yeah, that's a great vision. And and that's an endless opportunity. I mean, if you really picture, you know, blueberries on the lunch boxes, if you picture blueberries on the Happy Meals, if you vision blueberries on every single Starbucks or every single, you know, Panera Bread or convenience store, I mean, it's a huge opportunity that we have here to develop a market two, three, four times the size that it is right now. We're going to take a quick break here for our Blueberry Boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Director of Business Intelligence, Joe Vargas. Thanks, Casey. 
The year 2022 saw the highest number of December shipments in history. Peruvian imports slowed after their peak season in December, while Chile's began. Total fresh blueberry imports into the United States increased by 35% in December, with the majority marketed as conventional. According to the 2022 Nielsen report, total blueberry sales, fresh and frozen combined, are up 10% in volume and 6% in dollars in 2022. In December, total fresh blueberry sales are up 12% volume and 6% in dollars versus a year ago. The fresh organic segment is up about 9% in volume and flat 0% in dollars versus a year ago. The fresh conventional segment is also up 12% volume and 8% in dollars versus the 2021 year. December marks the fourth month in a row for decreases in average price per pound for all fresh blueberries, making fruit more accessible to less frequent blueberry consumers, monthly or less monthly users, who tend to be more price sensitive and more likely to be impulse buyers relative to weekly, daily, and daily plus user segments. At retail in December 2021, the price was $4.81 per pound, which has decreased by 5% to $4.56 per pound. Fresh conventional blueberry prices have dropped 4% from $4.47 per pound in December 2021 to $4.28 per pound. Fresh organic blueberries retail prices have decreased by 9% from $7.24 a pound in December of 2021 to $6.61 per pound. The frozen blueberry segment is down 2% in volume but up 6% in dollars compared to December 2021. The conventional frozen segment is up slightly by 1% in volume and up 11% in dollars compared to last year. The frozen organic segment is down 16% volume and 14% in dollars compared to last year. The average retail price per pound for all frozen blueberries in December 2021 was $3.56 per pound, which is up 7% to $3.82 per pound in December of 2022. Frozen conventional blueberry prices have risen by 10% from $3.33 per pound in December of 2021 to $3.66 a pound in December of 2022. Frozen organic blueberry prices increased by 2% from $4.72 per pound in December of 2021 to $4.83 per pound in December of 2022. Thanks, Casey. And back to you. Thanks, Joe. Now back to today's episode. Well, let's talk before we let you go just a little bit about that vision 10 years from now, but specifically, you know, where Campbell Saul is in size today versus, you know, where you see that go in relationship to the industry growth. So, you know, you might've mentioned this before, but where does blueberries fit in the portfolio for Campbell Saul? I mean, both in maybe priority and size, but I'm just curious, you know, it wasn't always blueberries, but now, you know, clearly blueberries and Campbell Saul kind of go together. Uh, in the minds of many people. So you've grown it substantially, not just in the market, but obviously within Campasol. So, you know, where does that priority for blueberries, you know, land for you as a company? I will summarize in one phrase. We are a blueberry company. We are a blueberry company, period. It's the most important product on our portfolio. It's the only one that we have year-round production right now. And by far is the number one contributor to margin and revenue on the company and is the number one growth initiative that we have for the company. So, yeah, we are a growing company, but Blueberries has, you know, the most important role there. And second, uh, with avocados, no, avocados and blueberries are our value proposition to the consumers. You know, that's where the health is. I don't want to take importance on citrus and grapes and mangoes and cherries. 
you know, but definitely blueberries is number one and it will continue to be number one, I think, for a few more years or maybe forever. Yeah, well, we like to hear that. Blueberries, number one. And certainly, you know, as we look forward together as an industry on what it's going to take, it's going to take that kind of investment by companies to help us really take full advantage of what opportunity exists globally. I know you, we we're talking about the North American market here too, but there's just so much opportunity yet ahead for blueberries. And it's exciting to hear, you know, your energy for it. I, I think our audience today probably got to hear a lot about not just Campusol's vision for blueberries and as a health food company, but the enthusiasm that you have as, as the CEO for the future of blueberries. So just want to take a moment here before we let you go, if there's anything else that you know we haven't discussed that you'd like to share from your perspective, uh, I always just like to give a little time to talk about anything that you feel like we haven't covered or that you'd like to share before I let you go. Just one more thing. Uh, uh, we, we have not touched enough on the Asian market. I think uh, there is a tremendous opportunity in the Asian market. I believe China is the fastest growing in volume country in the world of production of blueberries, and it will continue to grow tremendously. And so we believe there is an opportunity there, uh, not only for a growers like you know South American or counter season growers, but also for North American growers. I believe grape growers in North America they have gained a specific premium spaces on the Chinese and Asian market in general, you could see right now premium brands, North American brands of grapes in Japan, in Korea, in China, selling for, I will say, 100% premium versus, you know, domestic market. And I think there's an opportunity also for blueberries. So I think uh, focus on Asia could help manage uh, market pressures. And that's an opportunity that we should take a little bit more seriously for North America. And marketing in Asia costs little, and it could really bring a lot of benefits. Remember that in markets like China, for example, North American brands brings a lot of premium because they are correlated to food safety. There's a lot of doubts in the consumer, in Chinese consumers, about their farming. They don't know exactly what practices and what agricultural uh, or chemical products are used on the farms. And especially there's a lot of wealthy people on the cities and people that they have one child. So it's the two parents work, the grandparents. So it's like six people sustaining one child and they're willing to pay extra money for that child food. And I believe if the message is conveying properly, uh, North American brands in China could potentially uh, become, you know, the premium brands for blueberry consumption in, in Asian markets in general, but China definitely is a super large opportunity. Yeah, we share that same vision in terms of understanding, you know, one, now that China is starting to kind of open back up for trade, you know, moving past some of the pandemic restrictions, but absolutely appreciate the way that that part of the world, you know, as far as even awareness has a lot to gain from bringing in our health message, bringing in our awareness of, of convenience. And obviously, as the varieties of blueberries continue to be increasingly refined, more and more folks in the upper middle class to 
wealthier parts of those demographics wanting to enjoy these new types of fruits coming into their market. So it's an exciting opportunity there. And, and one that I think fits that, you know, how do you make blueberries the world's favorite fruit? Well, you partner and collaborate and you work together to identify those opportunities that you're describing and, and we go for it. And we try to bring that grab a boost of blue message to communities around the world. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad uh, it's a great place to kind of land here as we wrap up our time together. Uh, I know our audience has gotten to know you better and your vision for the company, but I look forward to working with you in the future in your leadership role. You know, David and and Andrew have certainly been a a part of our, our program's work, but your commitment to the blueberry category, you know, your vision, we're trying to take things, uh, your experience, obviously, like we talked about in avocados, uh, all plays a part in making sure that we move things forward in a healthy way, a profitable way, and a successful way. So thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. 